name is Aurora Strauss. I am a professional race car driver uh, and also a recent Harvard graduate. I've had to get used to saying Harvard graduate instead of Harvard student. Uh, and I am the founder of Girls with Drive, which is an initiative that encourages girls ages 5 to 12 to get involved in the world of motorsports, not just driving, but other career paths, so engineers, team owners, etc. Um, and I am currently racing in IMSA GT4, so IMSA Michelin Pilot Challenge in a McLaren Artura GT4 sponsored by McLaren Orlando. Amazing. And how did you get into racing in general? Did you grow up with it or was it like a later in life find? I feel like I grew up with it, but by motorsport standards, I, I really did not. So I first got behind the wheel when I was 13. Uh, my dad wanted me to become a safer driver, not from a racing standpoint, but because I lived in upstate New York and the roads there can get quite like kind of icy and gross. Um, and I realized very quickly that I really, really like cars. And I also really, really like winning. <laughs> so I really, I'm very competitive. So, so racing worked out quite well for me. I never had any intention of doing this. Um, I found out that I loved it and did a three-day race school at Skip Barber, thinking, actually here at Sebring International Raceway when I was 14 years old. At the time thinking like, oh, if I could get one or two races out of this in my entire life, like that would be the dream. Like my expectations were really quite low. Um, and the school went well. I was able to do a little bit of Miata racing. I eventually started working like with Mazda Motorsports and, and another sponsor. So, so yeah, it was really like truly mishmash from the ages of 13 to 16. And I think it, it wasn't for a few years that I realized that A, I am capable of doing this long-term as a potential career and B, that I really wanted to. Yeah. So in yeah. the last 10 years or so of racing, what has been either your favorite series you've driven in or your favorite car to drive? Like what has been the highlight? Yes. So I am a huge advocate of IMSA Michelin Pilot Challenge. If you don't watch this series, you should. It will blow your mind. It is arguably the most competitive sports car racing, definitely North America and possibly in the world. Uh, the platforms of, of the cars themselves, so they're, G, they're GT4 cars and then TCR cars, they're kind of much tougher in terms of your ability to, to race other people than GT3 cars or prototype cars are. So that makes for much closer racing, actually. Inevitably, the, the kind of top 10 drivers are always within like a tenth-ish of each other. So it's, it's really, really, really tough. Um, and people who know sports car racing well would, I think, agree with me that it's it's really fun to watch. They also stream live on Peacock, so it's like quite accessible. Uh, they're played after the fact on NBC Sports. If you ever want to watch it, that's the main way to. Nice. And so for people who don't know anything about Michelin Pilot Challenge, can you give just like the quick spiel on like yes. how it works, how the series works, where you race? Yeah, absolutely. So there are different sanctioning bodies in motorsports worldwide, right? So you have the FIA, Formula One, things like that. You also have IMSA, which is the International Motorsports Association. IMSA's main headliner series is the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship, right? So, and they run prototypes and GT3s there. But the second level down, which is meant to be kind of the main feeder series for GT3, is the IMSA Michelin Pilot Challenge. And it's so competitive and gets so much attention that actually a lot of drivers will do both. So they'll run both WeatherTech and Michelin Pilot Challenge. The overlap is, is huge. Uh, and it generally races the day before the IMSA Weather Tech Series does. Um, and it gets a lot of attention again, right? Like people recognize it as, as really good, tough racing. Uh, two separate classes, usually we have like around 50 cars. So it's, yeah, it's always a slog. 50 cars on one track at one time. Yes. 
How do you even navigate that? How do you not get too It's tough. Traffic is a huge component of racing in Michelin Pilot Challenge, right? Because you have, um, on the one hand, everyone is quite close to each other, right? So generally, you won't have that much traffic. You won't be dealing with traffic within your own class. But the speed differential between the G, it's called Grand Sport, but the GT4 cars and the TCR cars, are it's, it's pretty wide at some tracks. So at places like Daytona, when you're racing people, you're also keeping in mind, how can I utilize this traffic to my advantage and really maximize it from a racing standpoint? But yeah, it gets crazy. Yeah, and obviously so much strategy has to play in that as well, right? It's a lot of strategy. So the other thing that I love about Michelin Pilot Challenge is it's either two or four hour races instead of endurance races. Uh, which is just long enough that endurance strategy plays a huge role in it, right? Because you're debating between a one or a two stop race with a two hour time frame. Uh, your pit crew will make or break your race, right? If you have an amazing pit stop, you can jump a few spots in pit lane. Given how competitive the series is, that's sometimes all that you need. Uh, and then the opposite can happen where you could have one of the best drivers in motorsports. And if they have a bad pit stop, it's really hard to come back from that. Wow, that's so interesting. I didn't know anything about that actually. Yeah. Okay, cool. So you raced this weekend in the McLaren, obviously. Yes. Your race didn't go perfectly as planned. Can nope. you talk a bit about what was going on in your mind? Well, first of all, what happened? But second of all, what was going on in your mind as that happened as well? Yes, sure. So we came into the weekend with no testing, which we knew would be a challenge. It just kind of logistically wasn't feasible for us given the time frame with which we had to get spare parts for the car after Daytona. So we knew it would be an uphill battle going in. We did not realize how much of an uphill battle it would be because we got about four laps each. So we, there are two drivers in Michelin Pilot Challenge. My co-driver and I each got very limited track time because we had two practice sessions. The second one got rained out and the first one had multiple red flags. So non-exaggeration, I went into the race with four laps in the car and I was starting third. Um, fun fact, my boyfriend was actually starting second. So we were like right next to each other, which we've never had happen before. So, so yeah, when I, what was going through my mind during that pace lap was actually, um, I need to figure out what my braking markers are for this car because I actually just haven't done enough laps at, at Sebring in this McLaren to like know how to drive it to the limit. So there was a lot of experimenting happened in real time while I was racing. That being said, the car the car was good, right? Uh, we had some kind of mechanical gremlins and uh, it was a little slow in a straight line for for a bunch of reasons. But, but yeah, I started in third. We were able to bring it in in the top 10 and we had a great pit stop. So my co-driver, Michael, exited pit lane in fifth. Uh, and then unfortunately he had a mechanical issue and had a pretty hard hit actually at the exit of turn 17. So we're walking away 12th in points in the championship. So not a terrible place to be, but definitely is going to be, it'll be an uphill battle to get back from that. Yeah. Well, you obviously did such a great job. Thank Congratulations you. in general. Um, okay. So moving on to more of like your career and like other things that you do within yeah. like your company or your agency or whatever. So you've also been featured in a few female forward activations and um, initiative, so similar yeah. to like the Mazda commercial that you did recently, as well as like the research. Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning, or have never even heard of paddle, or Padel, as it's called in North America. 
This is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with a pro tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle Podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime, and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos! Hi, listeners. We wanted to take a moment to tell you about another podcast from Evergreen Podcasts and Sound Talent Media called Pit Lane Parlay. Pit Lane Parlay is the go-to podcast for IndyCar and motorsports-related news. Each episode, we discuss things like our favorite drivers, news clips from the last week, and generally giving each other a hard time about predictions we've made in the past and or life stories that have come up recently. We really have a lot of fun with it and really enjoy each other's company, and we hope you can come join us too. Join Pit Lane Parlay by following us on your favorite podcast today. Neil, first yeah. sports watch um, host. Like, can you talk a bit more about why you get involved in things like that and like what that means to you? Yeah, absolutely. I've been very privileged to work with brands that really walk the walk when it comes to working with women in motorsports. One great example of that is Richard Mille, right? So I've been part of the Richard Mille family since 2018. Uh, they have very long-term partnerships, which is one of the things that I really appreciate about them as a company. And one of my first interactions ever with Richard the man was him talking about how he recognizes that his position in motorsports is a really good one to find potential opportunities for women in motorsports. And he wanted my advice as like an 18-year-old kid on, on how to do that. So I, I honestly can't imagine being in a more fortunate position than that, where you're telling someone who at that point has really senior positions in the FIA and the ACO, right? asking like how can I help women in motorsports and they've really really walked the walk right they've they've worked with numerous female drivers since then uh, they had the first kind of all-female prototype program in the world endurance challenge which was really awesome so I'm I'm grateful that they put their money where their mouth is so to speak and yes they recently launched their first line of women's sports watches and I was really honored to be one of the two drivers that were involved in that program so yeah and uh, other companies I've been able to work with in similar ways, right? Uh, it matters a lot to me that there's stuff to back up the press, right? It's it's all well and good when companies want to like feature all of their female employees during Women's History Month, but it doesn't mean much if that's the only time they're noticing you. So one of the things that I've been really grateful for with a lot of the other companies I've worked with, right, in addition to Richard Mille, people like Leclerc and Tiffany and Poe Supergoop, is that they want to invest in women uh, year-round. So in addition to doing kind of all of those activation events, right, we've also had conversations about how can we get more women working on their race teams at the track, how can they support my girls with drive programs and make sure that we are not only investing in women that are currently in the industry, but dealing with the much longer term issue of the pipeline, right? Like the reason there are so few women in motorsports isn't just because there's discrimination. It's also because we don't 
tell young girls that it's a really amazing career opportunity for them. And it's really hard to get sponsorship. It is really hard to get sponsorship. The flip side of that is companies want women to be representing them at the like highest levels of motorsports possible. But typically we have exponentially less track time than a lot of our co-drivers do because there was less investment in us when we were younger. Right? No one really wanted to fund me when I was like 13 or 14 years old or when I was in go-karting. So the pipeline, again, just isn't there. And you end up with women in positions where they are not primed to succeed, right? Where they might be in a really high level series like IndyCar or the Weather Tech Sports Car Championship, but they're dealing with non-exaggeration 5 to 10% of the track time that a lot of their competitors have had. Right. And then can you also explain a little bit more about your Girls With Drive program? Yes. Yep. So the Girls With Drive program started because, this sounds crazy now because there are just so many more female drivers. But I had a young girl come up to me during one of my first ever pro races and say that she didn't know girls were allowed to race. Which, like, the word allowed, I, like, get goosebumps every time I tell the story because I'm like, it makes me so mad. <laughs> um, there is a huge difference between making the decision proactively to not be interested in something, right? Like, I don't like cars, so I won't get involved in motorsports versus having a young kid who's been coming to the track with her dad to watch races for years say, I didn't even know that this was an option for me. Like that is gut-wrenching. So I'm glad that things are different now. And that story is also very telling about how much the motorsports world, world has changed in five or six years. Cause that was, yeah, there were exponentially fewer women at this point in like 2016, 2017 than there are now. So I started that program thinking, okay, you know, 30 years from now, the main, the key driver of change in the industry isn't actually going to be how much people are investing in like me or other kind of more established female drivers. It's going to be how much we're investing in the pipeline of young girls who are interested in getting involved in motorsport, right? Because eventually all of the people that are getting sponsorship money now will age out of this. And then where's the next generation going to come from? Yeah. So it started off with that in mind. It was like a very uh, mishmash. Like I didn't know what I was doing. I was 18 years old. I just wanted to get young girls to the racetrack. So I had amazing people like John Doonan from IMSA and, and uh, other series working with me to just get them free tickets and get them into the track. And it developed a lot of momentum really quickly. So now we have like anywhere from 20 to 50 girls come to the racetrack this weekend, depending on depending on the track and they get a behind the scenes look at as many things as we can right so we introduce them to female engineers female drivers uh female team owners truck drivers logistics support right any anyone any type of career opportunity that is available to them and then we also do a stem-based curriculum where we talk about the like friction from certain types of tires and how do, you, how do you break down aerodynamics of a car to a third grader? It's actually quite hard. So, um, yeah, it's my favorite thing about being at the racetrack. I love this program. And how do you run that? On your own? Do you have sponsors who help run that? <laughs> at first it was on my own, which was really, really stressful because it was usually during race days. And um, I've actually had team owners come up to me and say, like, this takes up too much of your time. It's, it's irresponsible of you as a driver to be dedicating so much of your, like, physical and emotional bandwidth to this but it is kind of your job to drive this race car well which I actually can appreciate from their standpoint um, I think I've gotten better at managing it and I also have 
a group of wonderful people that help me, right? Like my mom actually is the main support person for a lot of the Girls with Dry programs because she used to run a Girl Scout troop. So she knows how to corral young girls and get them interested in things. And she also knows her way around the paddock enough to be kind of very helpful navigation wise. So, so yeah, it's gotten better. But the first year of running this program was just pure chaos. Like I did not know how to handle 30 Girl Scouts at a time. Yeah, that's amazing. And then just to end off, if you could give one piece of advice to any young girl or any even maybe established woman who wants to get into racing, whether it's driving or engineering or whatever, what's your piece of advice to get them in? Yes, absolutely. Racing is a connections-based sport. Um, so <laughs> my main piece of advice would actually be like try to find someone who can help give you warm introductions to these places. There's a lot of really positive momentum right now for women in motorsports and there is a recognition among the industry as a whole that it is a net positive investment to make to try to get more women involved so there are definitely opportunities open to you right um I actually think it like much broader than driving right there are really really interesting diverse career opportunities here as a series official, right? About 50% of the pit lane officials in IMSA are women, which no one really talks about, but that's like pretty incredible. Um, that what didn't exist a few years ago, right? So there's, there's a ton of opportunities, a lot of momentum, and the best way to get involved is just to get someone to introduce you. So I'm always happy to do that. Um, when in doubt, buy a ticket and come to a race and like, Wander around and introduce yourself to people. Start sending cold pitch decks to people, right? Like my first sponsor actually came from a LinkedIn connection. So you never totally know. Um, but yeah, the more you can put yourself out there and, and just try to get as many introductions as you can, the more likely that you are to, to get a phone call. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.